Hello, welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table, as always, with my lovely host, co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, We are back with episode 18. We also have um, some new microphones we're trying out, um, hoping to improve the audio quality a little bit. Yeah, hopefully it sounds better. (laughs) Yeah, we tested it out and it seemed to sound good on our end, so fingers crossed. Um, anyway, brought to you by this podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. So you can join us a couple of different ways with, within our Base Builder Program. One is um, via our remote Base Builder Program, which is sort of the, quote, live version, um, following along like week to week, what we talk about in this podcast very specific um, progressions within the training program. Um, And then we also have our stock base builder training plans available on our website, and they come in 12, 18, and 24-week durations, um, and they're geared for all types of cycling disciplines, whether you're a road racer, crit racer, gravel racer, mountain biker, triathlete. um, They're all designed to build that base of fitness for improving your cycling ability for the coming season. so yeah, join us. Uh, we are offering for our podcast listeners a 25% discount code to purchase the stock base builder plans that are available on Training Peaks. Um, the code is all capitals Base Builder 25, and you get 25% off. Um, and we'll put the link and the code in the show notes too. So if it's something you're interested in, look back in the show notes, and you'll be able to. Um, access the the page kind of go shopping there and then use the discount code and join us so if you do use those base build the stock base builder plans um what we're talking about specifically week to week in the podcast might not be exactly but it's very close and will make a lot of sense if you're following your 12 or 18 or 24 week stock version it'll much of what we're talking about is applicable within those plans as well and the concepts of training in general should be helpful yeah those are all exactly the same so um so check it out if you're interested all right let's move on we're so episode 18 um we want to cover the topics of um week 15 of our base builder program um not a lot of big changes there so we'll be able to move through that fairly quickly and then get into the main meat of the show, which is going to be um, creating your annual training plan. So this this episode could get a little... Techie. Ke- techie or geeky. I know it's not one you're particularly no, <laughs> excited no, about. No, I won't but... be chiming in very often, um, but I will um, listen and learn myself and ask clarifying questions that might be helpful to other people who aren't really as um, knowledgeable about the... Um, like the ins and outs of, of how you use Training Peaks as a, a platform and a guide to your coaching. And yeah, we'll all learn at the same time. Yeah, this will be good. And, I'll, you know, we'll definitely try to keep it fairly simple and short. And it's a complicated topic, can be at least. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get a lot of questions afterwards and people interested in wanting clarification. And yeah, so some that, people so. will really enjoy the more technical aspects and some of the other people might not be as interested, but um, I, I know I'll learn just from listening to you talk. So it should be good. Cool. And happy belated Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yesterday was Thanksgiving. and um, it was Black like, Friday. Today. Oh, my gosh. I bought nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, 
Yeah, it's still cold and a little bit dreary outside. Yeah, we had a lot Denver. of snow this this week, kind of above normal, I would think, for this time of year. But yeah, it's, I think it was eighteen degrees when we woke up this morning, so it's pretty cold out there. Yeah, definitely. But it worked out well because we ended up taking more of a, a lighter week. We were pretty tired from all the training we'd been doing, so that we should start just by talking about that. We what have, what have we been up to? Was not that much because the weather was sort of yucky, and our oldest daughter's home from college for a week off and it just worked out better to pull back on some of the training and be at home. Yeah, it happened to work out really well. I mean, from from my standpoint, the more like analytical side, I felt like I was gaining too much fitness too soon. Like I was my my CTL numbers, which we'll talk about here when we talk about creating the annual training plan was getting too high for being late November. And subsequently, I was starting to feel a little bit of, slightly like, worn out might be too aggressive, but I was definitely feeling the pressure, the load of the last Mm -hmm. five, six weeks of training. And looking at the numbers on the computer, it did say, you know, it told me my CTL was upwards of like 85, and that's a little too high high? for November. Well, it sounds like it confirmed how you were feeling, what you like. exactly. It confirmed exactly how I was feeling, Um, and... Then lo and behold, lucky enough, like it snows a foot and a half. Kids are all home for the holidays. We're seeing family. Yeah. Things were just kind of busy. So it was like, I planned ahead of time, like, I'm going to take this week super, super light. And that's what we did. So we we still did did our strength training. We still did our um, two. No, we only got one bike session in so far. Yeah. And then we'll do a Saturday trainer because it's still a little snowy. We got snowed out on Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah, it really definitely worked out. Yeah. Um, so the takeaway message, I think, is like within our base builder program, I say within any training program, number one, listen to your body. And if you're starting to feel tired or just overly stressed, take some proactive measures to reduce your training load. That doesn't necessarily mean a whole week off. In most cases, that's probably not the best thing to do, but take a day or two off might be a really good thing to do. And then over the course of like a five, six, seven day block, take, you know, do like half or even a third of the, like your normal amount of training. Well, for example, on one of the, yeah, recently Sophia, our daughter, she came to our noon trainer class and she did the hour 15 trainer workout, but she didn't have the heart for our bonus session we do with a noon group where you, we sit on the bike for another 45 minutes and do some stuff. And so we're like, stop, just go, just leave, go home. Yeah, she was feeling Take a shower. fatigued as well. Like, there's no reason to push that extra bit now in November right. when you have a long winter of training ahead. Exactly. So it's super important to be to be training in November, but the, it's like the dosage needs to be right. And a lot of times it's very common for people to be very eager and motivated mm-hmm. in November and December because it's like they're, they've maybe taken a little break and they're like, hopefully you've done your goal setting and you've picked your races from our previous episode discussions and you're like excited and motivated and you wanted to like get out there and train, train, train. And while that can be beneficial, if you do too much, it just kind of wears you out. And then come spring or early summer, you might be like on the downward. Yeah, you're over it. <laughs> of fitness instead of on the upward uh, slope of improving fitness. So, so that'll all play a real piece to our discussion here about creating your annual plan. But even with a plan written out like many weeks or even months at a time, it's not written in stone. And you got to be, one, in tune with your body. Mm-hmm. Also taking into account other things of weather stress, 
family holiday, work, stress, things like that, and keep that big picture. Yeah, and have fun. Like, this week we went and saw two movies. Yeah. When have we ever done that? Yeah. So that was like a fun fun break to our normal lives. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get back out and eager to... Yeah. Get back in the as soon as we're done routine. recording, we're going to go to the gym and do a strength session. Yeah, there I'm you really go. looking forward to moving my body again after a couple of days of not doing much. Right, and eating maybe a little more than normal. no. Actually, I don't think we. Well, you ate a little bit extra pie, didn't you? Yeah, that extra piece and a half of pie was <laughs> <laughs> not necessary. But yeah, overall, I think I did great. I, well, I'm happy I did not drink too much yesterday. It's really easy for me to do that on a holiday, and just had a couple small glasses of wine, and yeah, that's it. Feeling it was really nice to wake up and. Not feel not like feel I bad. overdid it. Right. Very good. Well, congrats. Oh. <laughs> congrats on not being slovenly. Um, some other things we've been up to. Um, our 2020 kit store is open and online. And yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, ready. So we work at, uh, with Cure of Switzerland. The U.S. offices are in Boulder. Um, and they designed some really great kits for us last year. And they did it again this year. Um, we mixed up the color scheme this year, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, last year we had more of a black, white, silver, mm-hmm. you know, fairly subdued color tone, and now we're we added in a kind of a bright blue and a little bit of neon yellow, um, and it's pretty cool. And we, and um, so it's online www.cure.ch and it's c u o r e dot c h forward slash team team shop. For forward slash us so that was a mouthful i've got the links in the show notes um and you go there and click on our weight endurance team store and we have like jerseys arm warmers leg warmers knee, knee warmers mountain bike shorts mountain bike jerseys wind vest, um and some really cool stuff yeah to choose from um, and that from now until i think through sunday they're offering a black friday Discount of twenty percent, which is actually pretty significant. Um, makes you you can buy an extra piece, you know, an extra thing or two, of that savings. Um, and it is oh, the code is Black Friday with a capital B and a capital F. Um, and you do that at the checkout. And again, the code's in the show notes. But go on there, check it out, um, buy some stuff. Um, the really cool thing that we how we have it set up is our we development team is now its own nonprofit entity here in Colorado, a five hundred one c three, and we have any of the the profits made from the kit sales will go right into the we development team, um, which is really great. That'll help us fund things for entry fees and travel and um, getting the kids their kits and things like that. So you're kind of treating yourself to a new kit, but also helping our team out. Um, yeah, we'd really appreciate the support. It's, it's fun to see people wearing our kits and um, certainly help. It certainly helps the team and that that's very much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. So get on there. The, the online store itself is open in, through t- December 15th. That 20% code though is just like the first three or four days until Sunday. Um, so get on that. Um, but it will be open until the 15th. And um, and then I think you're working on some additional fundraising. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get some T-shirts and hats designed. And you ordered some really cool um, purist bottles, I think. Specialized, specialized purist, purist water, bottles, water yeah. bottles with our logo on it. So we're gonna come up with a yeah, kind of like a tiered system of donating to the team, and we'll thank you with some 
cool gifts like some t-shirts swag. and hats. Yeah, some yeah. swag. That's some the word I was we devo swag. Yeah, so stay tuned for thoughts on that. Yeah, we're heading to the donation season, so um, that'd be great. And then the last little thing um, that I was thinking of is our oh yeah, Christmas our, came early. Yeah, for... well, our, our bike frames came or our bikes came a week or two ago. A big SRAM order came mm-hmm. a couple days ago, so we're getting closer and closer to building our um, We Devo team bikes. And um, I'm super nerdy about bike equipment. Uh, you <laughs> enjoy it, but you. Well, it's and not then really your thankfully, thing, but... our daughter Sophia geeks out with you about it. Yeah, and... she likes it too. Yeah. And so we'll once we get the bikes built up, we'll do a fun little like blog post or something about it, so people can check it out and see exactly what we're going to be. Riding equipment wise uh, for 2020, but they're they're good looking bikes. I can tell you that for sure. So well, and big thanks to the bikery um, down in Littleton, Colorado. They're incredible, and they've been amazing at helping the entire team get their bikes. Yeah, so check them out at what is it? www.thebikery.beer. Dot beer. Yeah, because right. they have a funny website. Thebikery.beer. Yeah, they're on the Breckenridge Brewery campus. Um, so I that, think they have Black be, Friday day, deals today too, don't they? I think they have a big yeah, sale so this weekend, yeah. Hopefully you guys can take advantage of that as well. Yeah, so the, the bikery.beer and um, and then Scott Sports USA, a big shout out to them too for getting us the bikes and the helmets and the glasses and all that kind of stuff that's coming on the way for our team. So all the support is very um, welcome and, and very much appreciated. So um, cool, let's move on to questions. I think we have, well... Well, we have two things. One's more of a comment. And then one's a question I got from a, a guy in class. So uh, Jeff Foster, um, he he wrote into you, and he's a guy that's doing our remote plan at home. Or is he, he bought a stock. He did. I think he did the twelve week base builder. Okay. Stock and plan. what's cool about Jeff is that he was a part of the CrossFit classes years ago and has kept in touch with us, which I've really appreciated. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Um, so he he's he finished the twelve week base builder. Or sorry, twelve week. Yeah, base builder base build plan. plan. And he wrote in just really simply, um, he said, simply amazing. I love the podcast. Super helpful. Uh, thank you very much, Jeff. And then he let us know that his FTP went up from 207 to 238 at the um, after 12 weeks. That's pretty that good. Seems, that's what is that, 10%, a little that's, more than 15% maybe. Yeah, that's substantial. That's awesome. And then his one rep max is increased about 9% for his back squat and his deadlift. Also really good. Yeah. Well done, Jeff. You, sounds like you were very consistent, which is the key to seeing improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, well done. I think that's awesome to hear that his FTP went up more than 10%. Yeah, and we love to hear the success story. So anybody else that's making improvements within our Base Builder program or if you're following our Base Builder plans, let us know. I mean, we love to hear you know, the the improvements you make, what you thought of it. And then also, if you like listening to our podcast, go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating or let us know how we can earn a five-star rating if if we're not there yet. And then leave a review. So reviews like this um, that Jeff just emailed to us um, would be awesome on our iTunes page just to help us with rankings and stuff. So um, yeah, keep them coming. We love to hear the the success stories. Well, the other comment slash question came from... Our faithful uh, listener, Ruben, and we've mentioned Ruben before. So thank you, Ruben, for another good question. Well, now he gets heckled uh, in well, class. Well, yeah, he is getting heckled in class. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but honestly, as much as we tease him, like, I love it. Like, yeah. he, he's, he's our star pupil. He's really faithful um, about attending 
four times a week for the two strength classes, the two trainer classes. He even comes early to the strength classes to yeah. now get a run in because he's training for triathlons. Yeah, he's working hard, and I it know. seems like he's enjoying yeah. learning as he goes, too. He's great to have around. So Ruben, Ruben mentioned the other day um, while he was on the bike that we didn't mention anything in our um, previous episode about um, planning for the race season, like picking, uh, selecting your events. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention... Um, triathlons, triathletes planning for their season. Uh, like specifically? The- yeah, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you got left out of that. But we talked about it for a few minutes, and really that came down to that whether you're a triathlete or a mountain bike racer or a road racer, the concepts are the same. You, you look at all the fun events out there, see what grabs your fancy, see what makes you motivated to train, to train all winter, and you pick one or two A races. And then map them out in the calendar and then come up with some other supporting races, the B and C races. Mm-hmm. So we chatted a bit about about that. And he, in fact, did have two A races in mind. I th- they were both Boulder events. I think one's the Boulder Peak and, and the other one was the Harvest Moon. Half, course. Yeah, the 70.3. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has two A races. And now he needs to come up with some fun supporting races. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, that's exactly it. I mean, whether you're a pure cyclist or a triathlete, the process and the thinking is all the same. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I mean, one thing I think with, with triathletes, often the, the A races tend to be the long course, like half iron distance or full iron distance mm-hmm. races in many cases. Um, what I mean, that opens up a whole other topic of mm-hmm. whether that's how it should be. Um, people in triathlon tend to be heavily swung towards going long yeah, rather yeah. than maybe going shorter and faster. Um, but that's a whole other topic. Um, so when you're picking something like a half and certainly a full Ironman, often that is your one big buildup, um, particularly a full Ironman. So, uh, but you still want to be doing some shorter races, mm-hmm. smaller local races, things building up along the way. Well, so. what I liked about uh, Ruben's plan is that his first A race is a um, an Olympic distance, the mm-hmm. Boulder Peak, and then he'll have about six weeks between that and the um, the long course, the 70.3. And while, perfect, yeah. yeah. while we had talked about having like eight to 12 weeks between A races, a peak, uh, the Boulder Peak, which is an Olympic distance, shouldn't wear him out too much. He should be able to do a quick reset and another race build. Yeah, because, I mean, Olympic distance race is two to three hours, yeah. let's say, for most people. So, um, you know, that you you can recover within three, four, five days of that mm-hmm. and not have too much interruption. I mean, my old school, like, rule of thumb for recovery in triathlon or, or even just running races was... Um, every mile of the run distance is how many like easy days or recovery mm. days you need to recover. So a sprint triathlon, which is a 5K, you need about two, three days, three days, let's say, to, to kind of get more or less fully recovered. Mm-hmm. So double that for an Olympic, which is a 10K, about six miles. So you need about six days a week, roughly, to your like, if you went really hard to fully recover. It's not like you're just not doing anything for that week, but just light. Training, mm-hmm. getting recovered before you are like full steam and back into your training program. That makes sense. And then subsequent, you know, likewise for a half Ironman, thirteen mile, that's like two weeks, and then mm-hmm. a, you know, a Ironman can take a month to oh really fully recover. <laughs> so, um, and then you can also look at it hours wise of the race. The running beats it out of you a little bit more, but in general, I mean, if you're a two three hour race, that's usually 
you know, three, four, five days to recover. Um, if you're looking at like a four, five, six hour race, you know, that's a couple of weeks. And then if you're looking at something that's like eight hours or more, that yeah. can take a couple of weeks, if not several weeks to I think you really from. need to honor that. Um, we were talking to Tom Miser the other day, our good friend, and he recently, well, wasn't even that recently anymore, in September, he did the Colorado Trail with our buddy Jason. Mm-hmm. And it was, how many days? At least a week that they were riding 12 hours every day. Yeah. And he's still tired from it. He oh, said yeah. he doesn't think he really rested enough before he jumped into some local cyclocross races. And right. he's kind of, yeah, he's still... He's having to now recover from not recovering enough. Right, right. And racing or just long riding like that um, day after day is more or less the stress of a race. Yeah, it wears you out not only like from a muscular level, but also like depleting your fuel stores. Mm -hmm. Those take a while sometimes, especially if it's a deep effort like that um, to recover. And then also all the hormonal balances of cortisol and all these things that occur when you're under heavy loads of stress. It takes a long time to get those replenished and recovered mm-hmm. and fully back to where you can train again successfully without, you know, leading to illness or injury or something right, like that. Right. So recovery is super important. And again, I'll just say one more time, like when we say recovery, it's not just like sitting on the couch doing nothing. A lot of times you might take a day off after or two days after a really big event, but then you're back training, but it's just very light. You're not into your full training program. Right. Doing, you know, whatever intervals or whatever long rides or trying to accumulate X TSS or whatever, but you are still moving that more like active recovery and building back that, that training. Because so. our bodies don't feel very good when we just sit around. Yeah. Like when you, you sit around for more than two days. Oh, it feels pretty Yeah. Crappy. You get pretty like stale and it, yeah. it's hard to come back. So to keep moving is key. Um, so anyway, long story short, thanks Ruben for another question and... We'll tease you again for being on the podcast, but we love you. (laughs) Definitely. All right. So we just wrapped up week um, 14 of our base builder program. That's about 20. I can never remember with the recovery weeks built in there. It's like 28 weeks or something. Um, So we're closing in on halfway point or at the halfway point, I suppose. Um, Going into week 15 next week, um, first week of December. Um, so we're six weeks into what we call our second phase of base builder. And that's where we're focusing on building strength in the weight room, getting heavier and heavier. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Well, actually this week, 15 is the same. If you look at the spreadsheet as week 14, but it's some heavy lifting, um, not tons of reps, but some heavy lifting for sure. Building that, um, strength in the gym. And then also focusing on the aerobic build up on the bike and that is now evolving into what we call aerobic strength mm-hmm. um so the aerobic piece means we just have a heart rate cap of 80 percent of max on there to keep, make sure we're training that aerobic energy system um and then the strength part of the aerobic strength is now we're doing more and more and in fact now we're in to entirely for the aerobic strength set the big gear low cadence um kind of climbing simulation on the mm-hmm. trainer um so we're taking the way I like to think of it is like we're doing all the strength work in the gym off the bike and this aerobic strength work. So like big gear, low cadence, muscle tension kind of work, in my opinion, just helps transfer the strength gains in the gym, lifting weights to the strength on the bike. It's like this nice little bridge between the gym and the bike. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually like them. 
I think Wednesday we did three by nine minutes standing. Yep. And just to remind people that it's very doable and some tips on how to handle the standing climbs. Um, one of my favorites is moving my hand position. Yeah, simple, but very it simple, a big but it makes a big difference. Um, yeah, so just like three different positions would be like the the drops, and then up on the hoods, and then just on the bars right in front of you. Right. And sometimes I'll do one minute, one minute, one minute. Um, but as the intervals um, increase, like when we're on the third set, sometimes my heart rate's getting too high, so I spend a little bit more time down in the drops. Yeah. Because that'll keep my heart rate lower. Yeah, and that's interesting. Do you know why that is? Well, my heart's lower. Yeah, it's, it's effectively, yeah. So when you're more, your torso is more vertical. So like in the hoods or, or if you're like on the tops, which we don't climb outside on the tops, but on yeah. the trainer, your, your torso is more vertical. Like mm-hmm. your hips are more open. And so your your heart has to work that little bit harder to pump blood through fighting more gravity to get the blood back up to your heart and lungs to replenish it and send it back down to your legs. But then when you go to the drops, you are closing your hip angle and it's like your torso comes almost like horizontal, not quite, but not quite. So it doesn't have as much gravity to fight Uh, um, when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself down in the drops, gosh, like a lot, the last couple minutes of the last couple sets. And I didn't worry about how many seconds I was down in the drops. I would just, I really wanted to keep my heart rate as close to 80% as possible to get like the maximum benefit, but I didn't want to exceed it. So I would be in the drops and then my heart, my heart rate would go down to like, I'm trying to keep mine at 145. So I'm down in the drops and if I get to go down to 138, I go back up on the hoods Mm -hmm. and then it would get to like 143, I'd go back down to the drops Uh, and I just kept going back and forth and that way I could really maximize being at that top end. Yeah. Without exceeding it. Right, right. That worked for me. So if if that helps anybody. That's a fun little strategy. Yeah, I usually go by time, but I like that just watching heart rate. It's like a crisscross. Yeah, and I knew that if I waited past 143, that by the time I got down the drops, my heart rate would be too high. So it's just something I figured out for me. Yeah. Good tip, yeah, Coach Kathy. Coach Kathy, those tips. There we go. Write it down. Um, remind people again about like the best <clears throat> body position over. Yeah, so when you're climbing on the trainer, I'd say in general, even outside, but definitely on the trainer, you want to have like your your main center of mass over the bottom bracket, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to what can sort of naturally fall into is having your weight more forward mm-hmm. on like over your front hub, let's say. And what happens then is you you end up putting too much pressure on your hands and shoulders, and then often, especially for a long interval, you get a little lazy, and you let your core kind of loosen, and your back kind of sags, and your shoulders might sort of Mm -hmm. rise up towards your ears, and you're just kind of like, almost like laying on the bike. Yeah, it looks sloppy. Um, Right. I also think it, it doesn't use your posterior chain as well. Right. And your quads will start burning out. Right, Um, so make sure you shift that weight back a little bit so mm-hmm. you're more over the bottom bracket that keeps your hands really light like you can almost take your hands off you know in fact people right. will play around and try to keep standing without holding onto the bars you know for small periods of time but your hands are really light your elbows are soft and just like you said then you can get more weight back and push more through your heels yep. that gets your posterior chain calves hamstrings glutes going in lo- a little less of your quads so you kind of spare the, the quad work and mm-hmm. get more of your butt involved in high hamstring. Yeah, so think about that while you're on the bike, especially if you're newer to the standing climbs. Yeah, and for these longer ones too, if you don't have it already, a, a wood block or a front wheel prop um, works really well because it effectively shifts your 
bike sort of backwards. The front wheel goes up. So picture it, your rear wheel is like the center of a circle and you up the front wheel, your whole thing is, your whole bike and body are rotating a few degrees. And that can help you keep your weight back as well, as opposed to having your bike perfectly flat on the ground. You'll tend to want to I definitely prefer to have my front wheel on a block. If you don't have a block, you can grab dumbbells. That that can work very well. Yeah, or stack up books or yeah a box of two by four it doesn't matter just if you can elevate it i think it's um helps with that positioning um and then on the bike real quick we're for week 14 or sorry week 15 um the aerobic climbs go from three by nine which is what we've done the last two weeks now they're going to go to two by 14 and two by 15 minutes tuesday and thursday and we're gonna we've introduced the surges which we did um if you're following the base builder plan last or on Thursday, if you did a workout yesterday, um, those surges, but we'll be doing them again Tuesday, Thursday, um, four of those surges on Tuesday, five of the surges on Thursday on the plan. What does a surge mean? And the surges are, are strong accelerations still in that big gear, but now you're taking cadence from around 50 up to about 70 ish. Um, and what happens is you, you more or less double your power output for those mm-hmm. 15 seconds. Um, get a little taste of high intensity. Heart rate goes up a little bit. You can finally start to kind of exceed that 80% of heart rate max um, cap. So we're kind of like getting out of the aerobic system just a little bit. And then come back down for 45 seconds in between back to that steady climbing state. Heart rate will kind of recover partially and then when that top or the bottom of the next minute comes around, you go surge again. So it's these little accelerations, 15 seconds, about 20 RPMs higher. Well, building up to about 20 RPMs higher. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit about how I've tackled these. Yeah, go for it. Um, well, first of all, I, I love them because it does break up the monotony of just standing. Um, number two, just to reiterate, this is not a sprint. You're not right. trying to beat someone in a race. You're trying to accelerate. Don't shift gears. Stay in the same gear you're in and just crank up the, the speed of, of your turnover. Um, and it takes a few pedal strokes to, to increase your RPMs. It's right. like, er, at first. Um, here's how, this is silly, but here's how I've always done it. I know that I will do 17 revolutions of mm. 17 pedal strokes in the 15 seconds. Okay. And so I'll look at the clock, three, two, one, go. And crank it out. And sometimes I count my right foot. Sometimes I count my left foot because I don't always want to be favoring one side. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm being wimpy or distracted, I won't get 17 revolutions in. If I'm feeling really good that day, sometimes I even get a couple more. Okay. But it just keeps me focused. I've always been a counter for yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, I count a lot. So it's one, two, three, all the, way, all the way to 17. Plus it keeps me focused in case I'm spaced out and not paying attention that 15 seconds have passed. over. Yeah. yeah, you know, when you hit 17, it's mm-hmm. time to start, go back to the regular yeah. So oh, that, that's like my it. that's my little thing I do. I'm it might be that. like 18 or 14 for somebody else, but for me it's 17, Yeah, which is my birthday day of the month anyway, <laughs> right? so I love it. Um, and then I tend to like sort of pause for just like two or three seconds. At when, the end? At the, the end, 15? just like two or three seconds and just like a couple deep cleansing breaths and I get the um, flywheel to slow back down again. Right. And then I usually, and I'll, in that couple seconds, I usually have my forearms just on, on my handlebars just to rest for a second. Yeah. And then I go back down in the drops and I spin easy for about 15, 20 seconds and then 
kind of get ready for action again. I put my hands back on top of the hoods for the last 15 seconds before we do surge number two or surge number three. Right, right. So I just think people should find like their their routine that makes it work for them. You mm-hmm. know, surge, go, 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 rest, catch their breath, slow pedaling, and then like focus again and get ready to go. Yeah, those are some good tips. The counting reminds me of when we were running as triathletes, like when we do leg speed drills of uh, yeah. counting because yeah. I try to get I forget what I used to do but the number 19 like 19 steps and 10 seconds or something like that but anyway same similar yeah. idea of like I don't counting. know why I like counting yeah. so much but <laughs> a little OCD over here I think yeah well it keeps you like engaged that's the whole thing is like you don't want to if, if you're bored then you lose focus you know and by counting things it keeps you super focused so I've always used that strategy even in like races where I'm climbing a long hill and I'm tired but I, I i have to go for it i'll count to 10 over and over again and then all, all of a sudden i'm at the top of the hill or i've caught that girl mm-hmm. so it works for me cool very good yeah these are great um and like you said they break up because the intervals now are 14 15 minutes the following week we're gonna be up to 30 minutes so it definitely breaks it up you look forward to those surges mm-hmm. like get through the steady strength part and then get to the surges and then the time really like flies by because every for sure it does. 45 seconds you're putting in a little acceleration so um very good so those, those that's what we have to look forward to for week 15 um and then yeah like i said you your heart rate will exceed that 80 percent yeah so don't worry about it quite as much yeah, yeah i mean i would still put a cap of loosely like 90 percent. you don't need to really go any harder than that if you're if your heart rate's going higher than that you're probably just making it more like a sprint or like a real hard attack rather than just like an acceleration. So mm-hmm. um, keep it moderately hard, not hard, those 15-second efforts. So, right. Um, all right. Very good. All right. On to <clears throat> part three of planning for the next season. Yeah. So creating your annual training plan. That's what we kind of want to dig into a little bit here. Um, so episode podcast episode 16, we talked about goal setting. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of step one. And you... You really need to go through that to some degree before you get to step three. Step two then is selecting your events. Um, That was episode um, 17. Um, And that one's like sifting through all the many options out there, figuring out, you know, that you're doing enough races, but not too many races and looking out on a calendar of like how they kind of mesh and work with your a races and then setting the B's and C, the lower priority races. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you kind of have all that figured out, then you can begin to build your annual training plan or ATP. Um, so really to, to do that effectively, um, you really probably need or will want to have training peaks. Um, if you're following our base builder program or part of our in-house program, you've got a training peaks account. Um, the basic account the is basic. free. Yes, but to use their annual training plan feature, you do need the premium. Oh, so account. upgrade. It's not terribly expensive. It's not terribly expensive, and um, Training Peaks has offered um, our listeners um, a thirty percent off discount code. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's wonderful. To, you can get the premium account. So the code is We Devo thirty for thirty percent off. Um, the we and the D, so the first three letters are all capitals, and then the EVO of Devo is lowercase. And again, I'll have the the link and the code in our show notes as well. Oh, but perfect. Yeah, we Devo thirty. We get you thirty percent off the premium account, and you know if you're not if you don't have premium already, this maybe will 
you know, help you I think it's worth it because a basic account is great, but you can't move things around. Right. And that can be really annoying. Yeah, you can't move things around. I don't think you can pre-plan workouts either, like yourself. Okay. Um, so there's some other benefits for sure, but a big one is this annual training plan okay. if you want to kind of get into that. So, um, so I guess like... To keep it simple, and in a nutshell, your ATP is its basically your week-to-week training roadmap of your entire year, your entire season. Um, so it would start effectively, well, potentially it would have started maybe a couple months ago when we started Base Builder. If you're just getting started now, it can certainly start now, okay. but it will go all the way through to whenever your last event of the season is. You know, most people are September, October, maybe. Um, and you're going to literally go through and, like, plot your races on there, and then figure out from your A races, you're counting backwards so you know how many weeks of um, race preparation training you need, how many weeks of base builder, these different phases, training phases. Um, and it makes sure that you're, one, you have enough time, I guess, to build up for your A race. Mm-hmm. And also making sure you are hitting some progressive like stepping stones along the way, building up. Right, so you, you don't always do base. You're not stuck there that you go to race prep or race build at the right time. Exactly, exactly. And that, that's kind of the key because a lot of people will ask, well, when, how long should my base builder be or when should I start it or when should I start my race prep training? And it all depends on the calendar, how many weeks you have essentially uh, when doing that. Um, so if once you are in training peaks and you, know, you create an annual training plan, you'll title it usually with the year, so like 2020, um, and you will then want to begin entering in your race dates, so that you'd go back to your list of race selection that you have now narrowed down. You go and you plug those in, it lets you prioritize the ABC rankings oh, in there. Right. I, I have been on this page, Yeah, and it's a real easy format of just putting it in. You're not on a big calendar, you're just typing in like a, a list. Like a list, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So you, you put the date of the race, the priority, I think it also asks you like how long there's like some time ranges that that actually isn't that important but i think you have to do it to move on to the next step um and then you have that and then you can see it visually as you're creating this at the top of the screen it gives you like um the whole year laid out with like the weeks on the x-axis and like your fitness and training volume on the y-axis and you can see all those abc races plotted and then you can start to plug in kind of your training progression going towards those A races. Um, So there's two, the way we do it is there's two training phases. Um, We call it the base builder training phase, which is a lot of what we've been talking about. And then when you're done with base builder, you go into a race prep training phase. And I like to, within race prep, include kind of the taper and the peak of the actual race week in there. Um, some coaches or training plans will have kind of like, they'll have many, some will have like a lot of different phases. Like there's a prep phase and a base phase and a build and a peak and a, a taper and a peak and a race and all That's these so things. so fancy. There's, there's a lot. I, I like to keep it fairly simple. I mean, you have base builder, you have race prep, and then you have like a recovery or transition period following like your A race. And then you basically rinse and I repeat. like the simplicity of two phases too because... It's too complicated. Like my brain can't handle that. A lot of base names. builder, race prep. Race prep means you're, it's time to get a little bit more serious. Right. And um, yeah, here we go. Yeah. So once you know what your A race is, um, 
and I'll probably use a lot of our calendar just as examples because okay. um, it's kind of fresh in my mind. But um, you would go in and on that training plan, you, you essentially look back. Well, first it depends how how long is your A race? How, you know, is it a shorter like criterium or time trial? Is it a road race? Is it a Ironman? Is it a ultra endurance like Leadville 100 event? Um, that determines how long your race preparation is. So the shorter the race that you're training for, peaking for, the shorter uh, your race prep can okay. be. The shorter the race, the shorter the race prep. Right. Then from once you kind of know how long your race prep should be, then you can count back essentially from when that would start and then you count backwards to where we are now or when you started your base builder. Okay. And that's how long that would be. So you have so base builder can be I would say a minimum of 12 weeks, rough loose maximum of like 24 weeks. So it's a pretty big range. I tell people spend as much time in base builder building a base as you can. I mean that should be like the bulk of your off season when you're not competing much. Mm-hmm. And the more base the merrier. Um there is some Limit to that. I mean, you don't want to get do so much of it that you're like bored, and you know you do need to. That's why I kind of have that 24 week limit mm-hmm. of building up. But somewhere between 12 and 24 weeks is an ideal um, place to be, and that's exactly why we have a 12 week and a 24 week base builder plan option, and an 18 week that splits the difference as well. Um, <clears throat> so base builder, the way it works in a nutshell is it starts very low intensity, focusing on skill work and aerobic work, which is a lot of what we've been doing in the Base Builder program right now. And then it begins to progress through the higher intensity periods, which is what we'll do after the new year break. Then we come back and we do, so we do a lot of aerobic training for several weeks. Then we come back and we'll do um, anaerobic threshold, like lactate threshold type intervals for a few weeks. Then we'll move on to VO2 max energy system for a few weeks, then we move on to um, anaerobic power, and then eventually peak out at what we call peak power, or a little bit of sprint training at the end. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of gone through this upwards trend of moving through the intensities of the energy systems, and that's where you're, once you kind of reach the top there, that's where base builder would conclude, and then you'd shift to your race prep phase. And then race prep picks up where base builder left off at that peak power, anaerobic power, top end energy system, and then starts working down every couple of weeks back down the energy system ladder. So back down through anaerobic power, back down through VO2 max, back Mm -hmm. down through anaerobic threshold, and then eventually aerobic. And that's where it depends on what distance of race or duration of race you're looking to compete in. So if you have a shorter race you're going to rely more more heavily on anaerobic power in general. Anaerobic power, VO2 max, and maybe anaerobic threshold if it's a time trial, like a shorter time trial. Um, so you'd only go down a few energy systems down until you're ready to like be peaking and hitting your A race. Now, if you're training for a longer event, a road race or a gravel race or Leadville 100, you're going to want to move through all those upper intensity ones, but you're going to want to continue to move through aerobic threshold and even aerobic endurance, especially if you're doing like a, a really long race, you know, something that's going to be six or more hours, let's say. Because that's what the energy system you'll use in the race. Exactly. You kind of finish with the 
energy systems you use in that particular race. Right, because you want to maximize that energy system. Yeah. So for that's the, what's in the bank right there to use. Exactly. And then once you've maximized that, then you go into a little bit of a taper period. Mm -hmm. This is usually about two weeks, so one week of like kind of tapering and recovering, and then you have your race week where you're just sharpening and getting ready for, for races. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of it in a nutshell. I think of it as like a pyramid. It's like you build up the pyramid for base, and then you come down the backside of the pyramid for race prep. But how far down the pyramid depends on how long you're anticipating right. your A race right. to be. that makes sense. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and then following race prep and your A race, I usually recommend most people take a full week off. Um, if it's a really long race, maybe even two weeks. Right, like we mentioned before, the, the yeah. very long races you're going to need. Yeah, if it's a very long race and or like the end of your season. End mm -hmm. of season, I like to recommend two weeks completely off. Um, if you're doing an A race, let's say mid, you know, early summer, take a week off and then maybe you need another week to just, ride easy and still recover so in that week off say we do um a june 1st race mm -hmm. and it was an a race in that week off is it really nothing yes i recommend at least five days of nothing nothing so like monday okay. through friday like nothing okay um you could do a light strength workout you definitely could go do other things play basketball play pickleball mm -hmm. go for a light hike um, but in general, like don't touch your bike for five days. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe you clean it in the first day or two, <laughs> hang it up and then don't helpful. even look at it. Okay. Um, for that, for that five days to a week, um, because that'll just, it, if nothing else, mentally it recharges you and gets you hungry to get back on the bike again for the next right. bit of summer and fall racing. So you need that mental break. Plus it, all the physical benefits are more obvious. You get the, to rest a little Okay. Um, and then at that point you rinse and repeat, then you, depending on how many weeks you have to your next a race, you, maybe you do a little bit of base, maybe not oftentimes not like Ruben between his you have six, six weeks. weeks he's yeah. not going to do base again. He's going to go back into a race prep and build, um, start at, he'll kind of count back and start appropriately at the, whatever, how many weeks back at the higher energy system. So he works down to the low yeah. that he wants. So well, it sounds like he would only have three weeks of race prep. If I'm th tell me if I'm wrong, he has six weeks between he does one week off. Yeah. One recovery week or week okay. off. Yeah. One recovery week, one week off. And then three weeks of, of race prep that mm -hmm. gets him to four weeks. And then he has the fifth the week taper. is a taper week and the f sixth week is race week. Right. Okay. Right. Right. But that's very doable. Yeah. And in, I mean, with a six week, that'd be the bare minimum between A races. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he only takes three days off, not five or six, and then gets kind of back into it because you don't have that much longer right. to go. The full week off is like if you peak in May and you have another big one in, Ten eight, weeks in later. August yeah. or September, you take that full week or so off. Okay. If it's a little more compressed, then not quite as many weeks That makes off. sense. Because your, your motivation can hang in there for you know, that shorter duration. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then you go again. So those are the training phases um, of how you do it. So when you plot these on, on your annual training plan graph, you're working backwards um, and figuring out, okay, how, you know, how long is my A race duration? That's going to kind of dictate how long your race prep is. And then that'll tell you when your base builder should end and, and how many weeks you have to do base builder. Um, now some of the other real benefits here of the annual training plan is managing that 
stress and freshness balance of applying enough training stress or training load, mm-hmm. um, but also making sure you're absorbing that load by recovering enough and building up um, fitness, essentially, towards your, your A race. So training loads can be measured via like hours or minutes spent riding. That was always like when I was much younger, that's kind of what all we really had was like hours and miles and elevation gain. Those are like the three key metrics that uh, my coach Arnie and I kept track of. Um, nowadays... On the Excel spreadsheet on, you faxed to him? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even Excel. Yeah, it was a paper like spreadsheet that it. had to be faxed. But anyway, um, nowadays with power meters, smart trainers, all those sorts of things, even um, heart rate now can be used to calculate TSS. So TSS stands for training stress score. And that's a trademark that Training Peaks yeah, coined. Exactly. Um, although it's become more of like a... Like saying Kleenex. It's, yeah, it's pretty common, but it is technically trademarked by uh, uh, Training Peaks or copyrighted by Training Peaks. Um, so TSS, Training Stress Score. So um, train. So what's really cool about Training Stress Score is it takes in its, into account both the volume, like the time you spent training, and the intensity. Because in the old days, it was like I rode for four hours and I covered, let's say, 60 miles. Um, yeah, 60 miles. You have no idea within that four hours or 60 miles, was it all just easy zone two? Or were you doing like lots of intervals? Did you climb, you know, 6,000 feet? Or did you climb 1,500 feet? Or, you know, whatever. You didn't really have that metric. So now TSS can combines the duration of your ride. It's essentially a factor of your, the duration of your ride and the intensity of your ride. Gives you TSS. So and more accurate if you're using power. It's the most accurate power. That's mm-hmm. what it was originally developed around. But they do have a heart rate algorithm or whatever that um, based on your heart rate, if your zones are set correctly, it will calculate okay. fairly accurately. Now, the one thing it doesn't take into account is altitude. Is that something we you've mentioned? Yeah, yes and no. It, it doesn't take into account elevation gain, but in general, if you're riding uphill, your heart rate's usually a little higher than riding on flat ground. So it is sort of accounted for that way. And same with power. I mean, if you're riding uphill, you're usually putting out a little more power relative mm-hmm. to flat ground. So in that essence, it is. Um, when we were running more, the running TSS got skewed because it only looked at your p- like pace oh, per mile. Okay, I'm probably remembering yeah. that. So if you, if we, and we did a lot of hill running, trail running, and you run uphill, your pace per mile plummets. And so it just thinks like, <laughs> oh, you ran for an hour and you only and you went were four very miles. Slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I climbed, you know, 3000 feet or whatever. Um, so yeah, that had a little factor, okay. but it, it works better on the bike for sure. Um, so with TSS is, is a number, a data point you get for every training session you do, whether it's a recovery ride, interval ride, long ride, and you're tracking that and tabulating it within training peaks, and it's giving, it's accumulating. And, I, let me interrupt real quickly, yeah. though. Our strength workouts, doesn't it, um, you need to go in there and record what you have done. You don't have a power meter that's going to right. upload. Yeah. And we mentioned that previously, but I wanted to remind you. Yeah, listeners. and there's two schools of thought. Some coaches say don't. Inc- it should only include your bike riding. I think strength training has an effect. It's different, though. But, yeah, I usually give between – 15 and 25, maybe 30 on a really heavy, exhausting strength training day. That's up to the user. But if you do record it for a strength workout, make sure you record it for every strength workout. You can't just randomly add it in. Right. Um, So commit to either doing it or not doing it. 
Um, but I think it's worthwhile because it is a training stress. So, um, well, if you do three strength workouts a week, that's 75 or more TSS. That is at that point significant. Yeah, it does become significant. Um, so it's something to kind of definitely think about and consider including in there. Um, what, so, does, what does someone do with TSS? What, what does it mean to the average person? Yeah, so TSS, you're accumulating in every workout you do. It's getting tabulated over the course of a week, over the course of several weeks and months. And within training peaks, it's calculated. It, the general settings are every 42 days. It's calcul- It's like a rolling 42-day um, tabulation of your TSS scores. And that's what's calculating your, what they call their chronic training load or CTL. So if you look on training in your training peaks dashboard on your annual training plan and also what's called the performance management chart, there's a blue line that's your CTL. And that's essentially relates to your quote fitness or how much training gains you're making. Okay. Okay. So the more TSS you accumulate on a day-to-day basis, that blue line, that CTL goes up. If you don't train or you train less for a few days, that CTL will come down a little bit. And it's a like I said, a rolling every 42 days. So when day 43 comes around, that last, the, that day that was 43 days ago, if it was like a huge 300 TSS ride, oh, it gets dropped. It gets dropped. Okay. Yeah. So it's like kind of moving along hmm. that way. <clears throat> so that's how like the loading over the course of a month and a half or so, 42 days, um, plays an effect. Once you're more than a month and a half away from a workout, it, it kind of like sort of quote, doesn't count at that point in the tabulation. So um, so the goal is with training in the base builder particularly is you want to be building that fitness, um, that blue line going up. Increasing upwards, the CTL. Increasing the CTL, right. And gradually increasing TSS on a weekly basis. Um, kind of, so it bu- builds that CTL. So you want that to go up. And then depending on your event, CTL... When you end the base period, it's going to be pretty high. Okay. And that high number is relative to the individual. So what's high for me might not be high for a Tour de France rider. And what's high for you is probably a little lower than what's high for me. Because but someone doesn't ability. know that until they've spent a year training yes. or spent six months. Like what would be a good... I'd measure? say you really, to really get a handle on it, you need like a year's worth of tracking this stuff okay. to really get a handle on it. Another there, reason to probably upgrade to the premium to start... Yeah. Grabbing that data. And there are some good charts within the Training Peaks library um, of information about like common CTL numbers to achieve based on like your racing category or like your Mm. ability level. Makes sense. Um, Years in the sport, years training. Yeah. Or it's, it's based off of like cat five, cat four. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, cat one, regional pro. I think that'd be helpful because... Yeah, but what does the number mean? Some sort of chart is always helpful. Right, yeah, and it's a little tricky. So I know personally for myself, if when I start getting up, when I start getting above 100 CTL, I, I know I'm getting close to like my ceiling of fitness, so to speak. And Your I'm, ceiling of base builder fitness or just fitness no, in just general? No, just fitness in general. Okay. And I can keep building it, but I have to start being very, very careful and also making sure I'm eating perfectly, sleeping, sleeping a lot. A lot. And doing everything right. Because when it starts getting over that for me, I'm walking that tightrope of doing too much, too much and, getting too fit and peaking, yeah. you know, because you can only hold that high level for so long. I can only be above 100 CTL for so long until I'll just, I need a break. Or I'll but you're, you're trying to get up. to that number right before your A races? 
No, I try to get to a high, the highest number is usually about three or four weeks before your A race. Cause then you got to come down because as your fitness goes up, you, you also be getting fatigued. tired. Yes. So that's why you have to taper and bring down, you'll lose some fitness in air quotes, but you're, it's worth it because you're gaining lots of freshness and you know, that peak form where you'll feel good. So what was your CTL, CTL at last week that made you think you needed to, to take a recovery week? I think it was like, it was definitely in the mid-80s. It was like 85 or 86. Yeah, that's pretty high. Yeah, and so in November, it's like my, my A race isn't until April, end of April. It's like I got to be a little careful here. So that's why I took a really light week. It's back down to like, I think, 79. Okay. Um, which is still fairly high, but then I'm going to hold more steady for the next month or so and not mm. try to actually build my CTL much, but just keep training more on the strength side of things. And then I'll start picking it up after the new year to build it up. Well, I think the CTL number for both of us will jump up after we do riding in Arizona over the holidays. Yes. You get a big yeah. bump there and subsequently so then, then we'll you need have to, to recover. recover again. Yeah. yeah. And okay. so, okay. I'm yeah. getting it. Yeah. So you kind of, you build it up and you know, you build it up to kind of a peak number, like I said, about a month before your A race, and then you bring it back down gradually. And that's how our training plans are built around that. So base builder, all the workouts are provided within Training Peaks a TSS score. So you can go back and kind of look at those and see how they're going to, the trainer workouts are kind of gradually growing in TSS. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing the workouts, then your CTL will be growing. Mm -hmm. um, not only doing, but to actually see CTL, you have to make sure you're uploading your workouts and all that kind of stuff and make sure they're accurate and everything. Um, and then you'll see those numbers grow and grow um, that way. So in general, the base builder goal is to increase that CTL race prep, depending on the intensity and durations of your races. Um, for shorter, higher intensity race targets, when you go into race prep, CTL levels usually kind of flat flat line okay because you're not going to do a lot of long endurance rides at that point you're going to focus more on prepping for that short intensity race so it's like cross-country mountain bike crits things like that um if you're doing more of an endurance race um then ctl will actually continue to build because you'll start as intensity comes down in race prep volume endurance goes up in terms of training so you'll start getting those really long rides in towards the end of building for like leadville or whatever so CTL will keep growing all the way up to like three weeks before the race before you start kind of sh start shedding some of that fatigue and um, losing a little bit of fitness there, lowering that blue line. Um, during that taper race two weeks, that's where CTL is definitely want that blue line should definitely start coming down. And subsequently, the yellow line, which is indicating your freshness, should start going up. Mm -hmm. They're more or less inverses of each other. Um, and then that indicates that you're gaining freshness and, and peaking. Um, and then when you hit a recovery week after a race or the end of your season, that's where your CTL will really plummet. Because you take a week off, you'll see a sharp drop um, in fitness and bringing it down. And that makes some people panic. It does. But it should. But you have to. Like, just accept it. That That's the healthiest thing for your body mentally and physically. Absolutely. I always use the analogy of like a rose bush in the winter. you got to prune it back. So it's this little stump in the ground, mm -hmm. and then you trust that it's going to come back. And sure enough, it not only does it come back, but it, in most cases, comes back bigger and fuller and more blooms the next year. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to have that faith in taking that, trimming things back, and then letting it 
you know, flourish and grow back bigger and better the next year. So, um, yeah, does that mostly yeah, make sense? No, it's good stuff. I remember you and Chris Alcorn talking about CTL, TSS, TS, TSB, blah, 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 and he loved to geek out with you. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I remember that he would go and read the Training Peaks forum articles or their their help topics and, yeah. and learn about it himself. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So there are, yeah. there are ways to... If you're more of a reader, you want to read about mm-hmm. it, you can absorb the data on their website. Yeah, and one good little segue, I actually just wrote a blog post about it, links in the show notes as well, and it gives an example, like a visual example, as well as um, some key kind of takeaways and whatnot. But um, So check that out in our show notes. But, I mean, in a nutshell, just to kind of recap, it's like building out your season, number one, allow for the longest base builder possible. You know, if you've... If it's November, well, December now almost, and your first race is March, you probably don't have tons of time to build a huge base, but build the biggest base you possibly can and then use those remaining weeks for race prep um, when that time comes. But the bigger the base, the better. Um, Your race prep phase really should only be as long as needed because that's when you're really doing a lot of concentrated high-intensity work and or some, like your long, long rides if you're prepping for like a, a endurance race. Um, and you can only do that for so many weeks. I mean, you, your body kind of hits a peak after four, five, six weeks of high-intensity stuff. And you just won't make any more gains and you're just wearing yourself out. And mentally out. it's fatiguing. And, yeah, and mentally it, it's tough to do more than five or six weeks of high-intensity stuff. So race prep should only be as long as needed, where base builder should be as long as you can possibly afford. Um and then make sure you rest at the end of a race or season and then repeat that build. So if it's a second A race, get back into that race prep, however many weeks out, build back up. Um, if it's the end of a season, then take a week or two, you know, full rest. Um, and then use the metrics. If, if you want, you know, if you're into the numbers, use the metrics, record every workout, upload every workout. Well, make it easier on yourself by having your computers and whatnot, like, upload automatically. Oh, yeah. It's so much easier. so much easier. I mean, just 10 years ago, it was like you had to take your Polar watch and plop it on this little thing that was plugged into your computer that then took a couple minutes, yeah, to download the data, and then you had to, like, manually write stuff in. Yeah, make it easy on yourself. Just have it All the auto-uploads are super cool. Yeah, and Training Peaks, you can connect Wahoos and Garmins and uh, Suntos and all that stuff, and uh, it'll... As soon as you hit save, it uploads in there and calculates all this stuff for you. So, well, I know you get a lot of emails from people who are shopping on um, our website or through tra- they found you through Training Peaks and are looking at your training plans and just want your help knowing which tra- training plan to pick. Uh, and that's fine. Like most people are, like right now, are doing base builder, but when it becomes March, April, May, you're going to start getting those emails about, well, which race prep plan should I do now? Yeah. And y'all can email Cody and ask him. He. He knows all the plans he's made pretty well. So send him an email to Cody at session6.com, and and he's happy to give you some advice on what to do next. Yeah, absolutely. Ask questions. I enjoy reading through them and answering them, and I can definitely point you in the right direction of what plan and when to start what plan and that sort of thing. So the bottom line is it's hard to know how to do this by yourself. It is, yeah. And even even for myself, it's like I like to bounce it off of you and other people like, the ideas I have for my own training and stuff. So um, it, it's two heads or more, three heads are better than one kind of thing. <laughs> so 
um, definitely ask questions. Um, Speaking of questions, yeah. do you have any um, people out there have questions they want to submit to us or um, just start a conversation? Go to the for- our forum at endurance.session6.com forward slash forum. And either we can answer the question or other people can chime in and give their two cents and get yeah. a conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Well, I think we covered this yeah, pretty was, well. That was good. I learned a lot, Cody. Good. Well, I'm, I'm assuming people will have questions, I hope. So send, send them my way um, and we'll get them answered. And then um, make sure you get in and get to our kit store. Oh, yeah, the kit store. Please do. Yeah, QRA.ch. I think they're CH. beautiful. I, you and Scott Tietzel did a great job. Yeah, order together. those kits. Use that discount code. It's only good for the next three days or so till the end of Sunday, I believe. So um, code's in the note, but get in there. It's 20% off. It's good savings. Um, All proceeds go to our WeDevo team, and they definitely would appreciate your help. Right, and then later in the season when you're wearing it and racing and doing stuff, send us pictures. So we always like to see those, and we'll share them on our Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So... Um, great. Well, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend and, um, we'll be back to good old training next week. Yeah. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening.